And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's the uh, sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer that we'll be uh, considering today. And we'll be reading from Psalm 143. Psalm 143. It's found on page 977. 977. And as we prepare to hear God's word, let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, your light shines within us. Don't let the doubts or the darkness speak to us. Lord Jesus Christ, your light shines within us. Let our hearts always welcome your love as we hear it now in your word. Amen. Psalm 143. O Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me, crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring me out of trouble. In your unfailing love, silence my enemies. Destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. Martin Luther said, Forgive us our debts is a prayer for the end of the day. But he said, lead us not into temptation is a morning prayer. The day may hold any number of challenges, so we begin by putting our days in God's hands. With a whole day in front of us, when anything could go in any direction, we pray, our Father, do not bring us to the time of trial. Our Father, rescue us from the evil one. This side of eternity, we will face tests in life. Life doesn't always run smoothly. We don't always get what we want. It's true for people in the Bible. It's true for our lives. When we commit ourselves to God's will and God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, then we will face struggle and battle that happens between earth and heaven. Life on earth is not always heavenly. We will be tested. Tested when the cancer returns. Tested when our marriages face stress. Tested when the rest of the school gossips about us. Tested when our job doesn't inspire us. Our prayer echoes Psalm 143. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. We cry out to God to hear us and respond. We know we don't have it in us to go it alone. No one living is righteous before you. So tests challenge our trust in God. Tests check our wholehearted dependence on God. 
If you've read Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, you know the testing Frodo went through. Frodo had volunteered to bear the one ring of power to Mount Mordor, and his mission was to destroy the ring by throwing it back into the fire that created it. Because he knew in the wrong hands, the ring of power could destroy the world. But as Frodo got closer and closer to Mount Mordor, his resolve weakens. Frodo is tested. Tested to see if he will finish his journey, if he will carry out his mission. Tests are opportunities where we could fail. God doesn't want us to fail, but we could. We could fail to come through in the expected way. Think of Samson, for instance. He was raised up to be a judge for the nation of Israel, given great strength to oppose the Philistines. Samson was placed in situations where his faith in God was tested. He wasn't expected to fail, to sin. He wasn't expected to sell out to Delilah. But unfortunately, as many of you know, Samson failed because he neglected to trust God. A test can ruin a person's faith or prove a person's faith. New Testament scholar Willem Barclay comments that the same word that's used for test is parosmos. It's the same word that's used to describe the process of refining gold. Uh, The gold ore is placed in the fire to test it. The fire reveals whether the substance actually is gold. But the gold is also refined in the fire. All the impurities of the gold are burned away so that what is left is pure gold. The tests we face refine our faith. Tests check to see if our faith is pure. John Calvin once noted that testing is necessary. We need rather to be aroused, pricked, and urged by them, lest with too much inactivity we grow sluggish. Times of testing throw us back on God so that in faith our Christian character is allowed to shine like gold. The New Testament book of James calls those who survive a test blessed. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I mean, just consider Jesus. All his life he was tested. Immediately after his baptism, where God approved of him, Jesus was sent out into the desert. And in the wilderness alone, Satan tested him. And in his ministry... He was tested by demons who possessed people, by criticism and attack from religious leaders, by satanic opposition from his own trusted disciple, Peter. And near the end of his life, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wrestled with God in prayer. His resolve was tested. Would Jesus see God's plan through? Jesus was put to the test. Would he abandon everything he had given himself to? Would he give up on the will of God? Would Jesus prove his trust in God? Commit to God in Christ and you sign up for tests. The world's still out of joint. If Jesus faced the whispering, mocking, beguiling voices of the enemy inside his own head in the desert of temptation... We can't suppose that our lives would be spared. If you come to Jesus, prepare for tests. 
When we pray for God's will to be done and His kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, there will be pain and trial. We will face tests. But here's the problem. The tests we face can turn into temptations or trials. The word for test, parosmos, also means temptation. It's what Jesus is getting at in this position. It's what the Heidelberg Catechism has in view when it comments on this petition. It has in mind the kinds of trials or temptations that can lead to evil. Note the most recent translation of the Heidelberg Catechism prays a petition like this. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. A little bit different from the phrase most of us grew up saying, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. They essentially mean the same thing. They point us to the truth that beneath the bad that happens, there lies a pervasive, devilish evil. Consider the Catechism's answer. What does the sixth petition mean? And let's read it together. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. It means by ourselves we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong with the strength of the Holy Spirit, so that we may not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. See, we're caught up into something bigger than ourselves. We need to be really clear-headed about the presence of evil. I mean, we don't want to stick our head in the sands. We don't want to pretend that evil doesn't exist or doesn't matter. That is not helpful. We can't say things will be fine. As someone notes, saying everything is fine in our world is as much use as saying when the house is on fire that, yes, it's getting a little warm, but if we all take off a layer of clothing and drink more iced water, things will be just fine. Of course, we also don't want to obsess about evil. Some people can see evil in everything. It can lead them to become evil or become paranoid. Yes, there is this radical power of evil that's much more powerful than you or I. But joining forces with evil or running scared of evil only allows evil to dominate even more. And we don't want to be self-righteous. Evil lurks in our hearts. As much as it does in any other heart. Our sworn enemies are the devil, the world, and our own flesh. We can't say evil is out there and that we are somehow untouched. It turns into a self-righteous pointing of fingers and not an understanding of true evil. To minimize evil, to wallow in evil, or to self-righteously oppose evil doesn't come to grips with the truth about evil. Evil is real and powerful. Not only out there, but present and active within each of us. This petition of the Lord's Prayer brings us face to face with the reality of evil and the evil one. Evil is this personal, organized, pervasive, cultural force that rages against the kingdom of God. Notice again what we're up against. 
We will find evil in our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, our own flesh. We'll find evil in the devil, that personal force that's directly opposed to God's kingdom and God's purposes. We will find evil in other people. Individuals and organizations can be opposed to God's purposes. It's the evil we find in the nightly news. It's the evil we find in people or corporations that pollute or collude or discriminate against. And we will find evil in ourselves. In eyes that lust. Hands that steal. Hearts that disbelieve. Tongues that gossip. In so many ways we stumble because of the evil in us. Our sworn enemies turn tests into temptations and move us to doubt God. Daryl Johnson looks at the temptation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the temptations of Jesus in his life. And he uncovers five strategies that evil and the evil one uses to tempt us. Evil sows seeds of suspicion. God's word gets twisted. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The serpent asked Eve. What God said was, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from this one tree. Evil tempts us to think that God is holding out on us. And evil focuses on the negative. The devil says to Jesus in the desert, you've been out here for 40 days. You must be starved. And there are only stones here, you know? Nothing but stones. Stones as far as the eye can see. And evil leads us to make false deductions from that testing or negative experience. Evil wonders if God wants what's best for us. He doesn't want you to eat the fruit because you'll become like Him. Turn stone into bread. Your father wouldn't want you to go hungry. Come down from the cross. What good is a failed Messiah? Evil wants us to conclude that God doesn't care as much as he says he does. And evil wants to force God's hand. Evil uses God's word for its own purposes. The devil says to Jesus, throw yourself off. He'll command his angels concerning you. Have God prove that he loves you. Let's see if he'll catch you. Until finally evil tempts us to take matters into our own hands. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. Look, Jesus, you deserve better. You've got it coming to you. You don't have to suffer like this. There are other ways. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you all this. The movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, showed us the final temptation Jesus faced. Rather than endure the pain and agony of the cross, Jesus could seek redemption through his own satisfaction. Get married, have children. His future didn't have to rest in God's hands. He could ensure his future by having children. Evil's scheme is for us to believe that God will not come through. And lacking trust in God, we take matters into our own hands. We act as if we are God's trying to acquire God's goodness through our own efforts. And then the tests we face ultimately lead us into temptation. 
but our Father can and our Father will deliver us. We can confidently assert, for your name's sake, Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring me out of trouble. We can pray with complete confidence, save us in this time of trial. Yes, evil is very strong and we're too weak to face it on our own. But God can be trusted to come through. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. This coming week again, we will see. We will see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He'll say to his followers, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus wants them to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. It's not just some personal prayer about not committing some personal sin. No, Jesus is about to enter what many call the Great Tribulation. This new age of God coming face to face with the horror of deep darkness. No wonder Jesus sweats drops of blood. It's a moment of agony for Jesus. He's afraid that this whirlpool of evil that's engulfing him will suck down his followers as well. He needs to enter this confrontation, but he needs to do so alone, unaided. All the forces of evil will do their work against Jesus. That's what we'll see this coming week. Evil will exhaust every force to try and bring him down. Evil knows what's at stake, but Jesus will endure everything evil has to give so that the rest of the world will go free. That's why we pray. Do not bring us into this time of trial. Don't bring us to face this great tribulation. Rescue us from the evil one. Jesus knows we don't have the strength to endure what he must face. He doesn't want evil to have its way with us. And that's why he teaches us to pray, save us in this time of trial. Notice, Jesus gave this prayer to us, his followers. But when he prayed it, when he prayed it himself, the answer he got was no. Doing God's will and not his own will will meant taking on his unique vocation. Jesus is the one who was led into temptation. He entered a time of trial. Jesus faced evil and he was not delivered from evil. And he writes says to pray deliver us from evil or from the evil one is to inhale the victory of the cross and thereby to hold the line for another moment, another hour, another day, against the forces of destruction within ourselves and the world. We pray this petition because we're asking God to let us escape the great testing that afflicts the whole world. We're asking God to rescue us in this rescue mission of Jesus Christ. We don't want to be led into temptation that we will not be able to bear. We want to be able to pass safely through any testing of our faith. When testing comes, evil bears down to tempt us, to doubt God. 
When we grapple with testing and temptation, we're fighting something bigger than ourselves. We're engaged in that fight against all the anti-creation, anti-redemption, anti-kingdom forces of the world. We pray this petition to acknowledge that life is found in trusting God alone. That God has shown us that God is good. And so we can trust God. Author Elie Wiesel tells about a concentration camp experience. A young man arrives at the camp, and the horror of the camp is too much for him. He's ready to give up on life. He's about to run toward the fence, sure to be shot by the Nazis. And an older man grabs him and says, wait, he says, don't do that. You need to see that this thing, how this thing's going to end. And the older man tells the young man about three kinds of people. He says the first is the optimist. He says they never make it out of the concentration camp. They say, we're going to be delivered by Hanukkah, but Hanukkah comes and goes and there's no rescue. So they say, we're going to to be delivered by the Jewish New Year, and the Jewish New Year comes and goes and there is no rescue. And the optimist gives in to evil and dies of a broken heart. The second said the old man is the cynic. They don't make it easier, he says. The cynic says, we're never going to be rescued. The cynic just gives up. All they say is, there's no God. Nothing good is going to happen. We'll be in here forever. So the cynic, too, gives in to evil and dies. He says there's only one type that makes it, the realist. He says the realist has faith. Right in the middle of the concentration camp's horror, the greatest evil it can throw at us, the realist says, well, I don't know when we'll be rescued, but I do know we serve a God who will deliver us. The realist looks evil in the face and is able to to live the African-American proverb, God might not show up when you want him, but God's always right on time. God is good. There is never a time that God is not good. Our God is a strong deliverer. God dealt with evil on the cross of Jesus Christ so that we are free to face evil without fear, despite the tests we face. When someone in your family gets terribly sick or dies, evil might just be trying to tear your family apart. You can pray, save us. In this time of trial. When your marriage is stressed, evil might be trying to destroy your relationship by any means necessary. Pray, save us in this time of trial. When you're challenged to do well at school, evil could try to get you to cheat or lie or throw your hands up in despair. Pray, save us in this time of trial. Friends, whenever you start to doubt that God will be there, Pray, save us in this time of trial. Trust God to deliver. Because I can tell you, God comes through. There's never a time that God is not good. I've walked through dark times and discovered that even the darkness belongs to God. So walk with Jesus into this week. Because this is the week we remember that Jesus walked into our darkness and brought His light. 
Jesus is the one who was tested. He faced all the accusations the devil could hurl at him. And and remarkably, on the cross, Jesus was not delivered from evil. He took all of the evil of the world upon himself. Jesus faced the evil for our sakes so that when we are tested, we can pray that God would deliver us from evil. That's why we pray with confidence, save us in this time of trial. Jesus met the power of the evil one and he defeated it once and for all. So we can be sure that God hears our prayers. That God will bring us through any test. That God will deliver us from evil and bring his kingdom at last. Because there is never a time that God is not good. As we uh, prepare to pray, I'd like to just uh, take some time for us to kind of face our fears that God our Father won't come through. Perhaps there is something right now that you're facing. So I'd like to pray through that. So let's quiet ourselves and then I'll lead you through this prayer. First of all, what I'd like you to do is name the test you faced. Name what you are having trouble trusting God for. Name it as specifically as possible. Now acknowledge how the devil tempts you. Tell God that you can't stand up under much pressure. Declare to God what you are tempted to do because you find it difficult to trust God. Finally, imagine what it would look like for God to come through. What would your survival of this test look like? What would become of you if this test did not result in a temptation? Father, save me in this time of trial. Father, uphold us and make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit so that we may not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle but may firmly resist our enemies, the devil, the world, our own flesh. Help us to walk in the assurance offered us in Jesus Christ who entered Jerusalem two millennia ago to go to the cross, to defeat evil. Help us to trust you until in Jesus Christ we finally win the complete victory. We pray in his name. Amen.